Welcome to the Holistic Healing Connection podcast with your host, holistic practitioner and mentor, Amber Cook. Join Amber and her guests weekly for insight and practical tips to help you succeed on your path to wellness. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com, nurturing business, cultivating health, growing community. Your one-stop holistic health resource, HealingWaze.com. Hi, I'm Amber Cook. I've spent my life practicing and experimenting with holistic and alternative healthcare because I believe it is the real healthcare, the way to well-being. So stick around because your holistic healing connection starts right now. There are always diamonds to be found, no matter how crappy the situation. I can dig a little deeper and choose to interpret the situation in a different way. That is something I do still have, the power to choose. This is a quote I found on Annabelle Fisher's Facebook page written long after her diagnosis with stage four ovarian cancer and her prognosis of just two months to live. Annabelle is the real deal. I hope her message of authenticity, mindfulness, gratitude, and love inspires you like it inspired me. I'm so grateful to my friend Lynn Del Mastro Thompson for sharing this interview with us because as I record this today, June 5th, 2019, And as we get this interview ready for publication, Annabelle is surrounded by her closest friends and family as she gets ready to transition into her next form. So please, while you're listening to this and afterwards, hold those left behind in your hearts and in your prayers. Hello, everybody. My name is Lynn Del Mastro Thompson, if we haven't met before. And I wanted to interview a dear friend of mine, Annabelle Fisher. Um, She has just a truly powerful story that I really want to share with you because I think it would support a lot of people to hear this story. So welcome, Annabelle. Oh, thank you, Lynn. Thank you for inviting me and uh, talking and and letting me share my story. Yeah. So tell us a little bit kind of about the story of, of kind of your health journey and your journey with cancer. Yes. So if I may, I'll focus more on the latter part because I guess that's top of mind, um, probably for me being the most powerful part. Um, But a little bit of background is August uh, 2015, totally out of the blue, uh, with no prior warning, uh, I was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. uh, And I was in emergency uh, for an alleged uh, bladder infection, and I'd had a CT scan. Uh, But I think that seems a little dramatic for a bladder infection. So I think they must have had some suspicion that something was a little off. Uh, But when the results came back, um, I learned that it had spread into 10 of my organs. Uh, So it was very clear to me that uh, it was not something that had developed sort of in the last week or overnight. This had been uh, something chronic that had taken. I now know from my oncologist, she thinks between eight months to a year to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think probably the most powerful part of that story, Lynn, was that I was on my own. I was in Emerge in a a room on its own, but my husband, uh, he wasn't there, no friends were there because I thought it was only a bladder infection. Mm Um, and so for anybody hearing this, I wonder how many of us are in these, and I'm not suggesting for one minute it has to be cancer, 
but how many of us are in a situation where we're on our own and uh, we hear this sort of life-stopping news? Yeah. Um, so there were many, many layers to it. I mean, that was part of the trauma that I subsequently healed from, like hearing this tragic news and I didn't have that immediate support for me. Um, luckily, because it was so advanced, if we can call it luckily, um, every, like lots of people, I think, watching this, may have had a cancer diagnosis or perhaps know someone who has mm -hmm. and often they've had to to fight or they've struggled with convincing the medical system that they are very ill like it might not come up in tests they might not be taken seriously it, oh well it's only for example a chest infection and then it turns into lung cancer or whatever I think for me, the biggest blessing was it was pretty blatant. It was obvious what was going on. The CT scan revealed it very, very clearly. And then I had a subsequent biopsy and PET scan and various other things. Um, so I feel that that was a blessing because emergency, uh, sort of emergency stations, all the red flags were waving and, and we could get on and start um, dealing with it. Uh, because there were so many tumors, I had to have um, a session of chemotherapy before a surgery. So I think uh, I went from the September to the December of 2015 having chemo. Okay. Um, and then uh, then in December of 2015, I had uh, a very, it was a very pioneering surgery, actually. Uh, I'm in Canada, in British Columbia, and I had to fly out of province to the next province, Alberta, to have this uh, sort of, you always hear, cutting edge surgery, but it seriously was. Um, and the, the amazing surgeon, thank goodness, that I was blessed to have, um, happened to work out of a hospital in Calgary. Uh, so the surgery was 11 hours, and I ended up, I said I was so empty after the surgery because so much was removed, I probably rattled. Um, but I, I, was, um, I was very ill, of course, anybody would be after that uh, sort of intense surgery. I had further chemo, but then in May of 2016, uh, my oncologist declared me cancer-free. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, started a whole different journey. Because again, I'm sure people watching who have had cancer or know somebody with, it's not quite so straightforward to say, oh, I'm cancer free, yes. Uh, because invariably, we don't go back to our former lives. Uh, often people might say, as you're fully aware with your clients working on chronic diseases and illnesses, um, many people often say, I just want my life back. Mm -hmm. I just want my old life back or something like that. Right. And um, I, I like you, um, when, when I worked full time, I specialized in uh, chronic illness. Um, and I used to explore that with my clients a lot because I would often, and I'm not saying that this is absolutely true, but I would often come from a place that it's probably our old life that led us into this situation in the first place. Right. Uh, if it didn't fully influence us, it probably contributed quite a lot. Uh, and in that way, I mean uh, shaping our beliefs about ourselves, stress levels, anxiety, all that sort of thing. Uh -huh. 
Absolutely, absolutely. The big T and the little T traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I was, allegedly cancer-free, being invited. I, I sort of had this visual link where I somebody had opened these golden gates and said, there you are, Annabelle. You have your whole life in front of you now. You can put this yuckiness behind you and move forward. And yet I honestly didn't know what to do because I definitely didn't want my old life back because I, I believe very strongly it had maybe not 100%, but quite, quite a large chunk of how I'd lived my old life had contributed to the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't want to be that person. And I wasn't that person. I mean, we were talking about nearly a year later, I, I was about as far removed from that Annabelle as an apple is from an orange. I mean, it was such a drastic difference. Um, mm. And I had learned so many valuable things that I know that you'll ask me about shortly. So that was the next chapter of picking up the pieces and living a completely different life as somebody who had had cancer and not to label myself and, and certainly not to come from a place of significance, but that, that takes time and energy. Mm. It really is like building a house from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so off we went down that road. Um, and then actually what ensued from that was a clinical depression. Mm. Um, and I can see now a few years later how easy that was because what's extraordinary is I was given, uh, so I'm not, at this point I'm not talking about my beautiful friends and family, people like you who have really stepped in. I'm talking more about the medical profession. Mm. I was given so much support medically. I mean, chemo, yep, you've got it. Um, blood transfusion, yeah, you've got it. Surgery, you've got it. I mean, everything was there. I was so looked after. Um, and then to suddenly just be told, off you go, you're cancer-free. And there was literally nothing. Um, there wasn't anything offered to me. And I'm not suggesting there should have been, but it went from 100% to just nothing. And and my oncologist saying, yep, we will meet once a month now. And I'd been meeting her, I think it was once a week. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone from once a week from her support to once a month. And I was like, oh my goodness, I really am out in the big wide world. Mm-hmm. So thanks to my amazing friends uh, and support network that, um, that I'd received. And I, I, I have to say I'd allowed because so much love had uh, been shown for me and I it was about allowing it Um, I made it through that period Um, and then unfortunately early on in 2017 I was really starting to get life back together and that's actually when you and I met Mm -hmm. Um, and I I was delighted because I had some speaking engagements I was working with clients again uh, one-on-one not full-time by any stretch but certain clients Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt some physical symptoms that didn't feel good. And I knew intuitively something was up. It was uh, very, very devastating. Mm. Uh, because even though, um, so with, with ovarian cancer, there isn't anything blatant. For example, it's not like, Again, I, I haven't had this experience, so I'm just going by friends who have shared, but with breast cancer and that terrible moment of feeling something, right. uh, I never had that with ovarian cancer because it's all internal and it is called the silent killer because it's so sudden and aggressive, but there isn't really anything that stands out. Um, 
I, I actually did feel some raised lymph nodes and I thought, mm, this isn't great. And there were some other similar symptoms um, that I, I was familiar with. And sadly, uh, it, took, it took a long time actually, Lynn. I think it took something crazy like three months to get a positive diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But I was diagnosed with cancer again, it had returned. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I learned that actually, which I hadn't been aware of, but the cancer that I had was called recurrent cancer, mm. which meant that there was every opportunity for it to be healed using whatever modalities, whether that was pharmaceutical, um, using chemotherapy, or if that was a more of an alternative route, which I was also following uh, <laughs> with my naturopath um, and various um, things there. Um, no matter how much of that happened, uh, there was the expectation it would recur. So I would have this sort of uh, peaceful time and then, oh, it would pop up again. We were just too aggressive. Um, so in the latter part of 2017, from June to December, I had six months of chemo, which was my third series of chemo at that point. Um, and then at the beginning of last year, I was declared, so it was something different. It was called NED. I love NED, no evidence of disease. Any cancer sufferer loves to hear that. So although I was clearer of the, the, um, the labels at that point, uh, so it wasn't strictly, it wasn't cancer free, but it was no evidence of disease when I had particular scans like the PET scan. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no disease showing up mm -hmm. um, and that meant we had lots to work with like I could really work from a, a healthier body right. um, building that back up again um, and I had some wonderful months uh, sort of this time last year because we're now April 2019 uh, really feeling free really enjoying the quality of life managing symptoms but starting to thrive again mm -hmm. um, and then i'm sure anybody watching this now will know where i'm heading <laughs> sadly oh what do you know i got some symptoms again and they were very familiar and a friend said to me i think you need to speak to jenny my oncologist i, I think even if it's nothing that's great she will tell you it's nothing and my oncologist is so thorough that she immediately got me in for a pet scan and sadly, it came back that yes, um, this is cancer again, it has recurred. Um, and so we come to this period of my life, Lynn, which is I decided that I wasn't going to go the traditional route or the alternative route. I just felt so tired, so tired of this endless, repetitive cycle of I found out that it's recurred. I'll have chemo or the, the natural route. Oh, now it appears to be clear or Ned. Right. Uh, how much time have I had? Got, sorry, a few months, maybe more. Oh, here it is again. Right. And I, I think then I just got to a point where I thought, this is crazy making. It's like this perpetual nightmare. I'm on this uh, roller coaster. Yeah. It's just never going to stop here. Mm -hmm. And so I declined all all um, treatment of any kind. Um, so just to be clear, that, that doesn't mean that I've sort of rejected my own, um, own self-care or 
um, the generosity of friends who offer me coaching, like you have various friends offering me EFT um, and, and uh, Reiki, um, NLP, hypnotherapy, all those juicy, wonderful things that help me as a human being, whatever I'm going through in life. Yes, please. I love, I love that and I'd love more. Um, it's just I didn't go for any traditional therapies um, to, to focus on I have cancer and I want to heal it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's the decision that I made in the spring of 2018, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that, that it was back in my body and um, deciding that I was going to literally roll with it, like whatever arises I will, I will face it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the final chapter to the story is that in August of last year, uh, my oncologist told me that I had two months to live. Uh, so that it had reached such an aggressive place uh, that, uh, that that would be the extent of my life. Now, to be clear, um, I did ask her that question. Um, I don't know how familiar people are with um, onco oncologists and what they do and don't say to their patients. And of course, every, every oncologist is very unique and different. I am familiar with friends and clients in the past who were told without even asking, you have this much time. Jenny has never done that. And I really respect her for that. But in, in August, I said to her, I need to have an idea of the life that Michael, my husband and I have ahead of us. I mean, if you're telling me that we've sort of got this for another 10 years, I can write a bucket list, take it slow, work more with clients. I would have a very different outlook to if you're telling me this is imminent and there are things that I really need to tie up fast. And so that's when she gave me the prognosis. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, it was a very bitter pill to swallow, but I'm grateful that I had the realism. I knew I knew, had a, a very clear idea. And yes, it was only her idea. But I guess anybody watching this will now think, well, hang on, she's just said it's April 2019. <laughs> so, so here I am, um, whatever that is later, and I'm still here. So I've talked a lot now, Lynn, so I'll let you, <laughs> you talk a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's such a remarkable story, you know, that you're sharing of your journey through this and, and kind of the courageous decision to live your life rather than just focus on treatment at this point. But what would you say, I mean, talking about that last piece that, you know, your oncologist thought back in August that it was only maybe a couple months and now here we are in April. What do you feel is part of the key to that? I mean, what, what keeps you here with us? I'm so glad you are. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I could be a millionaires, couldn't I? I could bottle it up and sell it uh, and uh, make my millions. I, I truly believe, and I, I mean, you know me, I'm a realist. I, I don't, I'm not particularly woo-woo. I, I hope that my friends and people that know me would agree I'm open-minded. Um, but I, I, I firmly believe that the answer that I'm going to give you is there, there, are, there are two components, and they're actually what Jenny said to me two weeks ago. Um, 
because I, Michael and I went to see her, I had had an MRI scan mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, was, it was to see if um, I had lost the feeling in my thighs, although that's coming back now on my belly. Mm -hmm. um, and Jenny believes that there are certain tumors squashing particular nerves, so I've lost the feeling. We wanted the MRI scan to see if we could do something about the size of the tumors and shrink them with radiotherapy. So I just want to be clear here, it's not radiotherapy to heal the cancer. Uh, it's very much based on, so I'm sorry, I feel like I've diverted to the side. I haven't, this is, I'm kind of looping back to your question though. It's regarding a quality of life. Because Jenny said to me when I first approached her about this numbness, you and I are working together now around creating a quality of life for you. She said, I'm not here in the capacity um, focusing on longevity. We want to make the time you have here as comfortable and flowing and easy as possible. And she said, for me, it strikes me that if you don't have any feeling in your belly and the tops of your thighs, you don't have much of a quality of life. I just love her. How awesome is that? Yeah. Somebody in a white coat saying that. Yeah, um, putting I your love, in your shoes and thinking that wouldn't be very pleasant or, you know, how, how would that affect someone's life? Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, people might think, well, really, the woman's dark, she's got terminal cancer, doesn't matter if she can't feel her belly. Well, yes, it's a, it's a horrible sensation. Like, I'm touching it now and I know I'm holding my belly, just the lower part below my belly button. But it's just the most bizarre sensation. Yeah. So, so this this answer you, you said, you know, what, what I can't quite remember how you worded it, but it was sort of what what's the the idea here? And I said I could bottle it up. I truly believe that throughout most of this journey, and particularly since August of 2018, the quality of my life has been crucial, um, and I've always come from a place of. Um, needing and desiring to be with my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel very blessed that I have many friends around the world. Um, so I don't have so many local friends here, but for example, you and I will chat on Facebook Messenger. Mm -hmm. uh, you're down in Oregon, I'm up in DC. Mm -hmm. But I know that I have that support. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's crucial for me to have my friends and know that they're there supporting me. Uh, with their cheerleading banners. And I, I truly believe that we have, the friends that I have are not scared to die deep. So I want to be clear, I very much hope that if any of my friends are watching this, they don't think like, yeah, man, it gets heavy and tedious. I really, I don't come from a place of every time you see me, we have to talk about cancer. I mean, that would be so boring and depressing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to talk about my friends and what they're going through and all the good stuff and the not so good stuff. What is it? The good, the bad and the ugly. Like we all go through that in life. It's not just me facing challenges. Everybody I know has challenges of different kinds. Mm -hmm. So as far as quality of life goes, my relationships are hugely important. And that's a component of quality of my quality of life. Um, secondly, where I live, now I know a lot of us can't do anything about that, um, but for example, I've, I've always loved gardening. Well, I simply don't have the mobility or energy to, to garden now, but my husband can garden it and I can sit on my deck and enjoy our garden. Mm -hmm. um, 
and to make those moments count. For example, make a cup of coffee, sit on the deck with my cat midnight, enjoying the morning sunshine, mm -hmm. uh, looking at the daffodils and the crocuses coming up because spring's here. Those sort of things, um, slowing down. The, the former Annabelle Fisher would not have even noticed there were any daffodils popping up. <laughs> she would have been at her computer trying to save the world and do all sorts of things and just been in her head. So this quality of life, even when I was very ill in, um, back in 2015 and approaching surgery, friends would come and we'd go out for what I called a cup of coffee and a treat. Now these were huge no-nos. What for stage four cancer and she's eating sugar? Well, I don't endorse having chocolate cake every day, but the joy I got from being with a friend or a group of friends, having a latte and a, a cheeky treat, that would have far outweighed any detrimental effect that the caffeine and the sugar had on my body. I, I can guarantee it. It, it just increased my energy. I loved the connection. I was out in community, not stuck at home in bed. So just what might seem very subtle and insignificant things have become my life. Mm -hmm. Just spending time with you this morning, having a chat before you hit record and having the honor of talking to you now, this is about my quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that's a big part of why I'm here. And then the other part I've sort of answered in between that, it, it very much dovetails over, which is uh, the connection part. And Jenny, my oncologist, also mentioned that the other week when we were talking about my MRI scan. She said, you are so loved, you are so supported. Um, and she said, there are many people I would have given that prognosis to in August who would not be here with me now, but you are. Um, so I, I don't take for granted the support that I've received from friends I would, I don't want to say expect, because that sounds um, inc incredibly, um, as though I'm, I, I think I'm very self-important, but friends in my life that I know I, I wouldn't guess would step up. And also people I didn't know so well, like you, who have stepped up as well. Um, and, and many people on Facebook who I haven't met and will never meet and spend time writing comments or sending me a private message. They take time out of their busy day to do that and they don't have to. And I know that there are people out there that pray for me, think about me, meditate. They are sending such loving thoughts. I know that there is the power of intention. Um, some of your, um, your audience, Lynn, may well know Lynn McTaggart. Um, she's very famous for writing The Field, but also um, The Power of Eight, I believe her most recent book is. Uh, and that, that intention of committing to healing. And I know that I have that support. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it's, a, it's a, a combination, quality of life, having the support, and a huge one for me was understanding that there's a difference between receiving support and asking for it. Mm -hmm. So I noticed that this whole three and a half year journey that started in August 2015, I, whether I'd liked it or not, I, I had support thrown at me 
left, right, center, so much love, so, so much love, so much support. Um, support from afar of I'm meditating for you this morning, support locally from friends, can I take you to an appointment, I've just made you some soup, you know, tangible things, wonderful. So, so I, I had all that support. But here's the, the clincher for me, is what I didn't realize was, it's one thing to receive support, but could I actually ask for it? Mm. So there are some times where it's a bleak day, and I feel really rotten. Yesterday was one of them, and I texted you, and I, I, I shared that with you for, for various different reasons. I, I, as all of us, have really horrid days. Now, I could have received easily yesterday. I know there were lots of people. I had a lot of private text messages from friends, people caring about me, wanting to know I was okay. Um, but could I step out of my comfort zone and ask for help? Mm-hmm. Not so much, not so much until more recently, like I'm having a bad day. Can I, can I ask you to call me or can I call you? Or I'm having a tough time. Can we actually postpone going out or whatever it is? So I think that that's been a big one for me as well, Lynn, understanding that often we, uh, there's, there's support being thrown at us, but that, and that's lovely if we can receive that, but are we able to ask for help? Because mm-hmm. it's often those times that we really, really need it, but we might have a story going, or oh, they're too busy, or they've already helped me enough, or no, I can't bother them. That's right, yeah. So I think that's a huge part as well. Having the confidence and just to say, I'll blow it, I'm going to ask for the help. What's the worst that can happen? Because I trust my friends will say, sorry, uh, I can't call you right now. I'm about to go into a meeting or, or even, and I've had this, which I love. I so respect my friends when they say, I don't have the capacity right now in this moment to support you, but later today I can, or can I call you tomorrow? I mean that, or so much respect for somebody that does that because I don't want somebody draining themselves dry to support me. Right. Yeah, uh, there's no, there's no, no, no joy to be found in that. So yeah. it's no one really. It's not really helpful to you, and obviously, it's not helpful to them to to show up in exhaustion or overwhelm. And and isn't that the case? And again, I very much hope that our discussion people will find a benefit. I don't want you to be watching this because you have cancer. I want you to gain whatever you can out of it. But that's a lifelong lesson, I think. Like. Who, who are we showing up as? Are we in the place to be able to show up for that person? Like uh, if somebody's run ragged because the kids are driving them mad or they're late for something or they've not earned the money they needed that month or whatever it is, are they in a place to support their friend or relative? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. Uh, and what, so what's the reper- what are the repercussions of that on that person? They want to show up and be of support, but perhaps they don't have it in them at that moment. And that doesn't mean that they're bad or wrong or weak. It just it means that they're being honest and saying, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. Um, and that's brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's a beautiful, that's like a two-way street there too. Like, acknowledging sometimes when somebody does ask something of us and it's like 
I really can't right now, you know, I, I want to help you, but maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow would be a better day for that or, you know. Yes. The way I could support you that's, you know, I can't do X. Could I try and do Y? Would that help you? If that is more something that you can do. I love it. And you know, I mean, it's so sim. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? And it sounds so simple. But how many of us are actually able to do that? Often we think, oh, man, like I am feeling whatever. I've got no energy whatsoever. But this person needs me or my friends ask for help. I must do it. So we kind of drag ourselves in and our, our energy is half there. Um, as I call it, the, um, the rain barrel is overflowing. Mm-hmm. We've got no capacity left for ourselves, let alone anybody else. But you've got to show up, got to be a good friend. Yes. But actually it's being the lousiest friend ever because we're definitely not being a friend to ourselves and we're not actually being a friend to the person that's asking because we're not really at our best selves place that makes a lot of sense and I know there's times that you know I've been guilty of that where it's like I've done something because it's somebody I care about and even though I'm exhausted it's like okay well I'll just push through and do this and help you but as you're saying it's really not to anyone's benefit you know right and also Lynn I'm thinking as we're talking what about uh, people uh, in the caring profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, my in a former life, as I say it, uh, I was a, an EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques uh, coach and, and uh, NLP and Matrix Reimprinting. And I look back and think, uh, how many years was I in business? 13 or 14. But I think of um, how many sessions did I, and I'm not saying it was regular, but did I show up for knowing that I didn't have the capacity mm-hmm. uh, because I was uh, what I call drained dry for whatever reasons. It could have been that I'd had a busy week with clients or uh, I had some personal stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't mean that I was distracted. I was always very focused on my client, but did I really have the capacity for them in that moment? Right. Were you showing um, up in your, in your best ability because of everything going on? Yeah. That's right. And then how easy is it for us to say, and I did that uh, with clients, um, I'm sorry, I'm not at my best place today. Um, can we postpone our session until whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I did do that on a few rare occasions, my clients were always delighted. Oh my goodness, take care of yourself, Annabelle. Of course you must take this afternoon off. Of course they were totally supportive of me, but I'm sure on a conscious and subconscious level were re- relieved because they were thinking, oh my God, I'm going to get her best self when yes. she does show up. I don't want some half-assed self showing up. I want everything she's got to offer me. So yeah. again, um, a little bit uncomfortable, saying, oh, I'm going to have to cancel our appointment today. But actually, the long-term uh, we built rapport, there was more trust. They ultimately would have got a much better session. Mm-hmm. Very true. So I know one of the things you and I chat about is kind of mindset and belief systems. So I'd like to just chat a little bit about how does that factor in for you and kind of your day-to-day experience of dealing with, you know, what you're dealing with, dealing with health stuff. And, and especially if you wake up and it's like, maybe you don't feel well that day or, or we have those thoughts, right? You and I have talked about that. You wake up and it's like, oh boy, today's going to be a shitty day. 
you know. And we just know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny that you mentioned that because yesterday was that day. So it's very fresh in my mind. <laughs> and uh, I mean, mindset, my goodness, wind me up and let me go, Lynn. I'll be here for five hours chatting about it. <laughs> we'll but to me, handle it all. <laughs> to me, it's everything. I mean, you're absolutely, even the words you use, oh, it's going to be a shitty day. I mean, that's a mindset, isn't it? I don't know you are goofing around, but I've said it, I've been there. Or you um, maybe you don't say it out loud, but you wake up in the morning and that's what's there in your mind. It is. And then the, the thing that fascinates me, of course, is it's there in my mind, but then automatically it's there in my body as well. I've already convinced my body it's going to be a shitty day. So what do I know? I've got this symptom, that symptom. So one of the most common symptoms for ovarian cancer is what I call the super bloat. So it's this huge pregnant stomach, which is for any number of reasons. For me, it's ascites, which is fluid produced by the tumors. Uh, and also the tumors themselves are taking up room. Uh, but of course, it can be caused by constipation and all sorts of other things too. So there's a whole bunch of things going on. But I know that uh, something that, see, it's sort of, a, it flips back and forth. because something that dictates it's going to be a shitty day for me is if I wake up and the super bloat is already there. <laughs> it's a little bit different if it progresses during the day. Uh, but if I wake up and it's all, I'm already bulked out, I feel like, whoa, there's nowhere else to go here because I am already at the lowest point. It's not going to progress to that point. So as far as mindset, it's, to me, it's 100% because it dictates what kind of day I'm going to have. Um, and if I'm going to be in a place to manage the pain as well, now, as we speak, I'm transitioning from one opioid, one pain medication to another one. And there are different reasons for that. Um, I don't know if that's common or not, but where I am is I have to um, increase, I, I'm currently now on methadone and I have to increase it every four days with my palliative doctor's agreement. So it's not just, oh, this doesn't seem to be working for me at the moment. I'm evidently under med. No, so for example, if we have a headache, we might grab an Advil. We don't really feel so much, so much relief. I'll have another Advil. I don't know if that's how they work. I haven't had an Advil in years, but, but we, you know that kind of idea. But right. with, with methadone, I can't just say, oh, the pain's still there. I think I'll pop another one. Mm. It's very carefully um, moderated. And I'm, I'm, as I say, going up one milligram every four days. Mm. Um, so again, that requires mindset because if I'm in pain, because I'm, I mean, this is my word, I'm under medicating, I'm not at my ideal dose yet. Where do I go? I mean, I'm sure anybody watching us has been in pain of some kind in their life and it can be enormously distracting. Uh, and there is nothing else like the blinkers are just, I mean, all day yesterday, I was focused on the pain I was in. So I'm hardly an expert to talk to you about mindset. Um, but what, what I am very clear about is choices, Lynn. I, 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 so, I so do my best to connect into that. At this moment, I have a choice. So for example, yesterday, and I just went with it. I chose to be a real misery 
to complain non-stop to Michael. Uh, he had a hellish day, poor guy. And to really focus on all the pain I was in and how thoroughly miserable I was. Now, I could have chosen to do it a different way, which is the choice I've made today. Because why is today any different? Uh, but for whatever reason it is, I went to bed last night and I knew that we would be talking and I knew that that's how I'd start my day. That felt incredibly empowering because I'd made a choice with, well, I mean, with you a few weeks ago, it wasn't like we made it at bedtime last night. <laughs> I knew we would be talking today. I knew you and I, uh, you, we'd have this interview. Um, and that felt empowering. That didn't feel like I was succumbing to something. That felt that I was going to talk a little about my story and meet up with you, hopefully be of help to anybody watching this. Um, so I made the choice last night when I went to bed that today, Tuesday, was going to be a different kind of day. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that for me is a huge part of mindset. Where am I focusing my attention right now? And in the case of yesterday, I was focusing on it on everything that completely drained me. Mm. So hell, no surprise there. It was a really crappy day. I mean, I won't be looking back and saying, oh, the whatever of April, what a great day that was. <laughs> it was pretty lousy. Mm. Um, but the, the other part to that is I gave myself permission to be in that crappy place. Mm -hmm. Now, if you then challenge me and said, yeah, but the problem is, Annie, every time I speak to you, you're in that crappy place, then that's, that's something that requires looking into and doing differently. But I think if it's a one-off, it's in a few hours, I mean, I, doesn't, I have no right to decide how long that needs to be. Right. But what I'm suggesting is if it's a shorter period of time rather than consistent or chronic, I think that's more about honoring the place we're in. And I was tired yesterday, Lynn, and I didn't have the energy or wherewithal to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. I thought, I feel utterly miserable. I'm going to honor that the woman who's in pain, who's struggling, she deserves some attention. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the, the choice that I made. So, so the, the, the mindset piece is about the choices I make and where is my attention flowing? Because what, what is that phrase where our attention goes, energy flows? Exactly. So today my attention was on being my best self, showing up for you and some other ideas I've had for the rest of today um, that focus on boosting my energy levels and um, a very different perspective to yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are sorry love I didn't mean to interrupt you I think that's it's powerful too to remind ourselves that sometimes you know it's okay to have a bad day and to just be in that uh, you know that that it doesn't make you you know a bad person for doing that it's like sometimes you just you feel crappy and you're like I'm just going to be in that space today and be okay with that I just need the space to feel the pain, to feel the frustration, to feel whatever is present and honor it because- it's just, Oh, it's, it's huge. Yeah, and pushing it away all the time isn't always helpful either. You know, sometimes it has to come out. I think uh, there's two, two things when you say that for me. One is the relief and ease, release for, sorry, relief for and ease on our nervous system. Mm -hmm. To make it okay to express today's a shitty day or 
I'm in pain or I'm really mad or whatever it is. And again, I'm not speaking to only people with cancer. This is the same for anybody. Yeah. I think our culture is such, and particularly in North America, that we have to be gung-ho and everything's great. Look at me and I've got stage four cancer and look how I'm doing it. I don't come from that place at all. I come from this has been a hellish week or I haven't posted on Facebook because I've just felt so miserable or yeah, I've been in tears all day or hey, this has been a good week or whatever it is. I remember somebody messaging or writing a, on what, an answer to one of my posts and, and I think I'd written a swear word in the post and she said, oh, I'm so relieved you actually swear, Annabelle. And I was like, oh my God, you don't know me. I swear like a sailor. So uh, it's like, of course, if, if honoring where we are, which then leads into my next point, I think that's brave. And to me, that's part of mindset too. Having the honesty to say, my life sucks, or again, the asking piece, I need help, mm -hmm. or today is a really crap day, or today is a really brilliant day. Can you help me make tomorrow similarly brilliant, or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. I think that, that that's brave to me, owning up and saying, I'm not being strong, I'm being real. I mean, that has been such a powerful part of my learning and what I've stepped into since August, Lynn. This, it has to be real because strong doesn't help anybody, least of all the person that's trying to be strong. And I don't need cheerleaders around me that are strong. I need cheerleaders around me that are very real and honest. And, and like we were talking about earlier, saying, I'm sorry, I don't have the energy to help you today or no I don't have the time to see you this week or whatever I need real and I need to and therefore I need to be real as well and I think I mean mindset like, like I said we go on forever but I think another and this will be the last point the other massive part for me um, is gratitude mm -hmm. uh, I mean often people will ask me um, like how how can you come from this place? I mean, I'm not necessarily saying they say from a place of gratitude, but this more upbeat place. Um, well, it's not easy, and I don't. Please know, in no way do I force myself. I mean, what you see is what you get. I'm not pretending to be anything. This is me, um, but I do strongly believe that um, the majority. The biggest reason that I'm still here is because of the place of gratitude that I come from. Um, that there is always a different side to this. Uh, I mean, I, Michael and my, I had our lives turned around a few years ago. When we got married in 1996, this was the last thing we could have ever imagined happening to us. Um, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But this is our life. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we can either sink into a heap and blub, which believe me, we do, um, or and we can allow it to dictate us and probably it would have ended up with him walking out. Um, or we can come from a different perspective of let, let's see this differently. Uh, how can we turn this around? Because there's no getting away from it. This is our life. It's not like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and, oh, thank God it was some awful nightmare. I can get on an EFT practitioner, back to working clients 
full time living that life. That's not going to happen. This is my life. So again, the choice is to come from that place of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And there is so much to be grateful for. Uh, the huge community I have being the most important thing, the husband that I have being the most important thing, and then everything around me and observing that, taking the time to observe nature, uh, the way that my life is, and you, you name it, and simply uh, what's on offer to me in this place. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even down to Lynn, I was just answering something a friend had written uh, on Facebook saying, now I'm here to stay and I'm enjoying still being here. Um, let's set our intention for a retreat. Um, and I put that out there. Well, privately, um, a beautiful soul in Idaho messaged me and said, there is a place waiting for you to come to with your friends this summer. Yeah. Please, with my blessings and my love, I would love you to come and stay. Um, and my God, like that was just, she happened to read a comment I'd written to my friend and she made it a reality then and there within, oh my God, it was about an hour later. Wow. And so my gratitude now is overflowing and then I have the choice. Do I go into my ego and start saying, well, how the heck am I going to get to Idaho? My goodness, I can barely drive into Vancouver from where I live and I'm in all this pain. I mean, it would be very easy to go down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Or do I step into this is the future that I'm creating for myself now? And that's one that comes from a place of gratitude, too. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I strongly believe that that's where the miracles unfold. Uh, where, where gratitude, the door opens because of gratitude and you've got a room full of miracles just bursting forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I love how Joe Dispenza talks about that as well, kind of the gratitude and having gratitude before it even happens. Yes, that's right. Ending. Stepping into it. I mean, the gratitude is there. The end, I'm stepping into that energy. And what else is possible? Yes, yes. Well, I love that question too. What else is possible? Mm, yes, because it's, it's infinite and it doesn't uh, restrict me or, or us or limit us in any way. So well, what else is possible? Oh my goodness. Give me three hours. I'll write a list. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to read that list. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, as we kind of wrap up, do you have kind of any... I don't know, final suggestions or tools for people who are dealing with the health challenge when they're maybe when they're having a bad day. I think you've addressed a little bit of that, but I would love just maybe like your top couple suggestions of. Gosh, well, it's funny, as you started the question, the, the word that popped into my mind Lynn, was resiliency. Mm -hmm. um, and I... I truly believe that we are way more resilient than we give ourselves credit for or could ever imagine. And many of us will have to face challenges in our lives that happily other people won't have to face. Uh, I mean, I feel that I've gone through something in three and a half years that is more than some people will live through in 95 years. Um, 
Um, <laughs> sorry? I said probably true. Yeah, probably true. Um, and, uh, and, and for whatever reason, that was a sacred vow I made, that was a card I drew, whatever. I don't need to go into that discussion. Um, but I, one of the biggest learnings for me is how resilient I am. Uh, I, if, you'd, if you'd known me 10 years ago and said, right, this, this will happen, Annabelle, and this is how you will respond to it, I'd have probably shaken my head and thought, no, no, you've got a different person there. That, that's not me. That, there's no way I'd be that, or I'd run for the hills, or I wouldn't have the strength. Or, I'm too sensitive, or I'm too this, or whatever. I wouldn't have been able to own that I could have been the person I am responding in the way I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that the way I'm doing it is right. Uh, it's not right or wrong. It's simply the way I'm doing it. But I think the, the crux of that is the resiliency piece. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, I am able to bounce back again. Now, it may not be uh, with great strength and ease, but I do bounce back. Mm -hmm. But that's, I'm not unique. We all do. We all bounce back on some level. Um, so I think that one of the things to go away with is to consider, um, am I not giving myself credit for my resiliency? Have I been resilient and I've just powered through or disregarded it or not even realized that I was resilient? It was just, I did it at the time. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to taking time and space, Lynn, to sit or, or whatever, it doesn't have to be sit, it could be walk, meditate, whatever, but just connect in and think about, well, today was a tough one or last week was blooming awful or the whole of last year was wretched. And then reflect, who was I at the beginning of that? And it might have only just been the last hour or 10 minutes, but who was I at the beginning of that? Who am I now walking out of it, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 years? And I can guarantee part of you will be resilient. You'll be aware of the resiliency. Um, so I think, yes, giving ourselves credit for our resiliency, that inner strength that inner determination that's there it is there it might have been squashed it may not have been tapped into it may never have been considered so somebody might be listening thinking well i'm not resilient or i've never shown resiliency i can guarantee you have mm -hmm. and, and i think uh, don't be hard on yourself that that's a huge piece it is for sure so that that is massive and then to feel the feelings, I think, and I know we've touched on that too, and to own them. Today is not a good day, or I'm in pain, or I am incredibly hurt because of so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Because it's funny, isn't it? In our culture, it's encouraged, particularly on social media, but everywhere, to celebrate. So you would be delighted for me if I rang you and said, oh, listen to this, Lynn, or I just had the best week ever. Like you would be rah, rah, go girl. But it's not so easy in our culture to say, oh, I've had the worst day or the shittiest year. Right. Uh, that, that's almost like, well, we don't want to talk about that and let's push that under the carpet or that's pretty uncomfortable. Um, so I'm not suggesting we need to pour our hearts out and disclose everything to the grocery store 
clerk or the, the guy we pass in the parking lot. I don't mean that. I think that discernment is required. Yes. But I think amongst the people who love us and whose help we require, I think that that honesty and realness is, is definitely something that is required as well um, uh, for your own respect of yourself, but also the respect of the people that love you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I think those are two beautiful pieces of wisdom that you've just shared. I really mm, thank you. both of them. Wonderful. Um, I know you have your beautiful cards and I would love to kind of close if you would honor us with pulling a card for our- Oh, I'd love to, thank you. Yes, well, these, uh, if you don't know them, they're called Make Your One Life Count Every Day. Uh, I called them Words of Wisdom yes. cards. <laughs> so um, I will shuffle now. I. I created them. This one is about me, so I won't be pulling that one in case somebody wonders why I've pulled that out. Um, I created, they're really, uh, what they are, Lynn, is um, thoughts that I've had primarily since last August, but I mean, ways that I've lived my life, certainly in the last three and a half years, mm -hmm. questions I've asked myself, affirmations I've used, um, pearls of wisdom, I, I hope. Um, and then with a colleague um, I who did all the design and who was absolutely incredible with uh, her part in it, uh, Lizzie, we created these cards in less than a month. I felt that we both felt it was vital that this information that was in my heart and on and in my soul came out. Um, so we launched and uh, we on Facebook and we got an amazing response <laughs> and thank you because you shared that too yes, uh, of course and so now I'm doing a really poor job of, of shuffling me some people do them really really well but let me do this and I will be inspired the one will stand out what's this uh, oh okay Oh, I like, actually, this one was at the top. There's, may I read two? I feel greedy. <laughs> They're your cards. You can do, you can do one, you can do two. <laughs> I won't do all of them. <laughs> I'll do these two. This one popped up. And, sorry, this one was at the top. This one popped up. So the, the one that popped up said, it's one thing to know you're loved. This actually is so timely because this is what we talked about. Later. It's one thing to know you're loved. So to know it. So cerebrally, yes, 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 I'm loved. Like my family loves me. Of course I'm loved, that kind of idea. It's something else to crack yourself wide open and let in the gift of love deeply and viscerally. And then I ask the question, are you ready to receive? So are you ready to receive that love, to really allow it into your life? Because I mean, so many of us know we're loved. Oh yeah, my family loves me, love me. Of course my friends love me. But do we feel it? Like when, and that steps into gratitude then. Like I feel so loved, my body tingles. Like I, I, I have so much love for people in my life, people not in my life. I, I, I just feel that. But I feel loved as well. Like I feel it in every cell of my body. And that is very powerful for me, Lynn, because I used to be up what I call up in the attic, like always come from my head, like a little head running around on a pair of shoes, like <laughs> no, nothing else below the, the neck. 
Um, and so to know I was loved, I'd say, oh, yes, I'm loved. Of course I am. There's lots of people who love me. But I didn't feel it in my body. Yeah. And so I think that that's where the question is, are you ready to receive that? Like, I know everybody deserves that, but what's the self-worth? Is somebody ready to receive that amount of love? So that was that card with Lizzie's beautiful artwork there. And then this second one, um, I love this one too. It's called I Am Real. And this, oh, I love how this works. This is exactly what we were talking about. And please know everybody, I didn't draw these earlier. <laughs> so I am real, R-E-A-L, and it says I, and then R, remember to show up. E, express my feelings. A, ask for or offer help. And L, love outrageously. Beautiful. That's real. Remember, express, ask, and love. So yes, that's, uh, that's uh, I love it. It relates to our conversation about being real rather than being strong yes mm. oh thank you so much for pulling those they were like the perfect little encapsulation of of our chat weren't they it was brilliant i love it i love how that works out of course they were <laughs> yeah i always draw the perfect card in the day it's like oh that was the message i needed today <laughs> Good. Yes. Thank you so much, Lynn. What a pleasure. We, I've chatted your ears off. So thank you. Well, I think your, your story is truly inspiring. And I think the message that you shared will help a lot of people think about some things differently, which is always important, right? Because we're always in our little boxes. And sometimes we need, it's like, oh, well, if I turn it this way, what's the different perspective on that? So. Oh, it's a beautiful way of saying it. And also, I think kindness, I know we're wrapping up, but kindness, I don't expect or want anybody to think, holy cow, now I have to do this, that, and the other, as if I don't have enough in my life. I've got the family and kids and work and la, 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 la. I'm not saying, hey, everybody do this. Not at all. Chuck it out. You don't have to do anything I've said. But I think kindness. One of my cards is about being kind, kind um, in life. And I don't just mean to others, but to ourselves. So if anything I've said resonates, be kind as you apply it. Be kind as you think about it. It doesn't have to happen five minutes after Lynn stops the recording. It, it's just, it will happen when it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And that kindness piece, I believe, just allows it to happen, that that little bit smoother, faster, with more flow. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Wonderful closing words. Well, thank you for taking the time to share with, with mm. my community. And I really appreciate all of our conversation and can't wait to share it out. Thank you, Lynn, and to you and everyone else. <laughs> You've just listened to Holistic Healing Connection with me, Amber Cook. You can find out more about me and other holistic healers, coaches, and practitioners at healingways.com. That's healing, W-A-Z-E.com, or on most major social media outlets. If you are a holistic professional and would like to be a guest on this podcast, please go to healingways.com to join. If you have been helped by holistic or alternative medicine, I'd love to help you share your story on this podcast to help inspire others. Please email us at info at healingways.com with the title podcast guest. And don't forget to come back every week for more holistic fun. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful day.